If you'll turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. And I'm going to just read the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That light was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Before we look into God's word, let's seek his guidance as we study his word. Father, I pray that you will guide my thoughts and my words that I might speak those things which will glorify Christ and lift him up. Thank you for his great love for us in coming into this world. And thank you for who he always was and who he is. And I pray that as we worship together that each one of us might know 
your spirit speaking through the word and challenging us and helping us grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you. Now may the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> As I was preparing, uh, I figured I need to do some backtracking today uh, because I'm sure that I'm positive <laughs> that not all of you were here the last time I did the introduction to the first three verses of the Gospel of John. So I'm going to just kind of do a review so we all know where we're going and uh, we'll uh, allow the Lord to work and teach us through his word. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, as I'm going through the, the verses, I'm going to be very technical, <laughs> okay? I'm going to uh, try to deal with issues that sometimes don't seem evident on the surface, so don't get bored. <laughs> Just uh, uh, hang in there because I, I think we have one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture here, speaking of the person of Christ as he was and is eternally. And uh, uh, we, uh, uh, our hearts should be moved with praise and adoration as we think of it. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking when we, when I was going through Colossians, I guess most of you were here, some of you weren't, but uh, when, we, when I went into Colossians chapter 1 and uh, uh, chapter 3, excuse me, in verse 1, I, I pointed out that there was a command there from the Apostle Paul, and he said, if you have been raised with Christ, which you have, Keep on seeking those things which are above where Christ is. And he said, and he has been seated at the right hand of God. So these verses here kind of take us right into that territory of seeking Christ where he is seated at the right hand of God. And I trust that we will see him in a sense of majesty and glory that we never saw him before. Because that is what transforms our life as believers. As we see the glory of Christ and through him the glory of the Father. Now, as I pointed out, the Gospel of John was probably written between 20 and 30 years after the uh, death of the Apostle Paul. And therefore, even though there were a lot of heresies coming up already in the life of the Apostle Paul, by the time John wrote his, the epistle, there were so many heresies that John was really concerned. And probably the main heresy that was going on in the church was that people were teaching that Jesus is just a man. 
And uh, I, we don't teach that sometimes in the church, but that's where we get caught in the groove. We see Jesus as just Jesus. And we have to remember that when he came to earth, he lived as a man and died as a man so he could bear the sins of man. But before he was and after he returned to glory, he was who he always was. Except he was sitting now at the right hand as the God-man. And so he was seated as the God-man. That's why it says in that verse, he was seated at the right hand of God. Because the God-man had never been seated at the right hand of God. And so we see, we see a, a new picture. You look through the book of Revelation and you always see him sitting on the throne as the lamb as if it was slain. And so John is very much concerned about correcting the false teachings about the person of Christ that, that were going on in the church in his days. And they had become very rampant. And uh, if you uh, have studied church history at all, you will know that by the second and third century, the teaching of the humanity of Christ above the deity of Christ had so grown in the church that they had, a, had to call a council to straighten it out and make sure everybody had the right belief system. And so uh, it's important that we understand who Jesus was and is. Now let me just add this little bit here because I think it's important. Jesus died as a man for men. But his gift was infinite because he was the God-man. And that's why you and I are here today. You see, if he hadn't been the God-man, he would have died and it would have been sufficient for one. But because he was the God-man, and we just celebrated that in the incarnation of Christ, you see, he came, and he still was God, but he came, became man, lived as a man, under the Holy Spirit, lived, lived a life controlled by the Spirit and in fellowship with God. And yet he was fully God. So, this is the whole background of why John is writing. If you look at the 20th chapter of John and the 31st verse, he tells us, why he wrote this. He says, these things have I written unto you. First of all, he says, in order that you may keep on believing that Jesus is the Christ. I want you to know, he starts with Jesus, his humanity. Then he moves to the fact that he is Messiah, God's anointed one. And then he takes another step and says, the Son of God. He was deity. He was deity. And John is interested in showing the deity of Christ. And 
the way I read it is the way it's translated. He says, because uh, I want or in order that you may keep on believing. And deception is one of the great things that affects the church today. We, we have uh, uh, some great values in the internet and uh, yet some of the teachers on the internet uh, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, uh, because of the false teaching and the things that are being taught. And so I think it's important for us to understand that John was concerned that these people didn't get deceived. And then he says another thing in that uh, 31st verse of chapter 20. He says, in order that believing, you may keep on having eternal life. Now, what was John saying here? He wasn't saying that we could lose our salvation. What he was saying was that if you keep on believing, it proves that you had eternal life. And the scripture makes it clear that he that believes unto the end shall be saved. And so we believe, we believe and keep on believing because we are saved. And we have to be careful that we're not taken away from the truth of Scripture. So we have, we have this whole concern of John, and uh, he's concerned about us understanding who Christ is. Now, I pointed this out before, uh, but if you have a Bible that uh, has in it titles for different paragraphs in the Bible, you will find that the first five verses usually have the title, The Deity of Christ. Well, the first five verses of John 1 do not, do not, did you get me? <laughs> do not deal with the deity of Christ. They deal with the eternity and infinity of Christ. And therefore he could be deity. You see, if he wasn't eternal and infinite, he could not have been deity. And so John, even though his whole gospel emphasizes the deity of Christ, he starts off by making it very clear that he didn't become God, that he was always who he is. He was, his deity depended on his eternity and his infinity. And so, it's important for us to, to realize that... Uh, uh, um, Christ was deity because he was eternally who he was. Now, does that make sense? Okay, you got to 
Because now as we look at the text and we look at it carefully, and like I said, we're going to uh, um, be very technical here. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm going to be very technical because we have to understand what John is trying to communicate in the text. And so let's look at verse 1. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through it phrase by phrase and word by word. Okay? Are you ready? (laughs) Don't fall asleep on me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 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 And uh, I think this is important. The first phrase is, in the beginning was the word. Now let me remind you that all those who were following John and who were reading this epistle knew what in the beginning meant. Did you notice the little word there, the, in the beginning? It's talking about a beginning that was a specific beginning. The only beginning. And so he's pointing this out. Now the word beginning is a very interesting word in the original. Because it has, it has the idea of commencement or uh, the idea before there was anything whatsoever. Before there was anything whatsoever. And I, I like that latter description, anything whatsoever, because it defines the fact that there was nothing existent before God created something. You see? There was nothing whatsoever except God. That was the only thing that was there. So, when I, when I use the, the phrase... Before anything whatsoever, that's what I'm referring to. The beginning, where it all started. And then there's another interesting word here. It says, in the beginning was. The word was is interesting in two ways. Very interesting. Because first of all, it comes from a root word which means to exist. To exist. And... He, John uses a verb tense that is not used hardly ever by anybody else. Paul uses it a few times, but John uses it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, in these first 18 verses, he uses it eight times. And so it's, it's an interesting verb, and it has the idea of something that was continuously going on Always before. You get that? Something that was going on always continually before. And then the other word that's there is the word word. Now most of you know the word logos. Everybody knows that one Greek word at least. Most everybody does. And uh, the word logos really means intelligent communication. Intelligent communication. It's not just talking about 
a word, but it's talking about intelligent communication. If I, if I talk to you with my words all mixed up and so on, it's not very intelligent and you couldn't understand what I was saying. But it's intelligent communication. And it's intelligent communication that is intelligent communication about God. Because the only one who could give us intelligent communication about God was Jesus Christ. Because he was God himself. You see? And so he could intelligently communicate the things of God. And in his humanity, he could do that because he was in constant fellowship with the Father. So he could bring us intelligent communication. That's why he said to Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. If you hear me, you hear what God has to say. And you remember later on in the Gospel of John, he says, I don't say anything of myself. I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. So he had intelligent communication. Uh, sometime as a preacher, I wish I had that. <laughs> sure, sure would be uh, nice if God just spoke to me and through me. And uh, these people who say God does don't believe him. Uh, but God speaks to us through the word and through the spirit. And that's how he speaks to us. So uh, when we uh, finish that verse, we can, un a phrase, excuse me, we can translate it that before anything ever existed, before anything whatsoever, he always continually existed the intelligent communication of God. Now you say, why is that important? Why is that important? It's because he always was the intelligent communication of God. And how, how is that important to us? Because he spoke this creation into existence. So we'll see that and John confirms that. And so it's important for us to understand that. And we go back to this whole business. We have to establish his eternity before we can establish his deity. And by the way, I don't know if you realize, but his eternity was prophesied in the Old Testament. There were hints of it but there's a clear prophecy in the book of Micah. In the book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But as for you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathi, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel, his goings forth from long ago, from the days of eternity. And I think it's important for us to realize 
that John understood these prophecies. And we have to tie all the prophecies of the Old Testament in their fulfillment in the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't say here, Bethlehem, you're going to bring forth Jesus Christ, but it says you're going to bring forth somebody who was always from eternity past. And so, it's, it's a, a, a vital and interesting thing for us to know. And uh, it's uh, a blessing for us to know that God, that Christ was always continually God. And then the, the next phrase we find here, it says, And the Word was God. The Word was God. Or, excuse me, the Word was with God. I jumped to one there. The Word was with God. I'm not perfect. I blew it again. <laughs> and, and the Word was with God. It's that word with that's a very interesting word. The idea behind the word with is to be, be near or face to face with somebody. And if you look at verse 18, it says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. You notice that phrase, in the bosom of the Father? You know what the bosom of the Father is? It's the place, the bosom is the place between your two arms. It, it almost, to me, it almost pictures like God has arms around him all the time. You see, he, he was eternally, he was eternally face to face with God. And so, <clears throat> again, we can... Uh, Translate that also the intelligent communication of God always continued uh, face to face with God. He always continued existing. There was never a time that Jesus was not in God's presence from all eternity to the end of eternity. And so that's where his deity comes from. And then we have, and the Word was God. Now this is interesting because let, let me just translate it here for you and then explain it. The intelligent communication of God always continued existing God. The intelligent communication of God always continued existing God. Now why, why is this important? Well there, there are two or three things we have to notice here. He didn't say he always existed a God. If he did, if he said he always existed a God, that would mean that there were many other gods too. And there was only 
one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the other thing that is important here is that what he's, he didn't say he existed the God. Why didn't he put the article like the Jehovah's Witness said the article should be in there? No, no. Why, why didn't he put the article the there? Well, for the simple reason that it would have eliminated the Trinity. We wouldn't have had a Trinity. He was the God. There was no other, no other parts of God. And John is very careful because what he is saying here is to let us know that there never was a time that Jesus was not God. He was always God. He never ceased to be God, never will cease to be God. He is infinitely, eternally God. And that can't change. Isn't that wonderful? Just stop and think of it. How does that relate to us as Christians? If Jesus is infinite and infinitely and eternally God, and we are in Christ, when we die we will be infinitely with him because we are one in him. And that's our hope. When I go to heaven, I'm not going to hang around there for a couple years and then go someplace else. I'm going to be infinitely with him because his salvation was infinite and he is infinite and he is in me and I am in him and therefore we have this infinite existence with him. So, <clears throat> that's, that's verse 1. Uh, verse 2. <laughs> it says, He was in the beginning with God. Let me translate this because actually in the original there's no he. It's an emphatic, what they call an emphatic pronoun. This one, he's saying the word, this one, this one, always continued existing face to face with God. What he's doing is he's summarizing everything that he said in verse 1. This one, this, this word, this word that came from God, he was always continually existing with God. There was never a time. There was never a time. And just stop and think of it. You remember Bob referred to that prayer in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. And Jesus said, I in them, I in them. The eternal God living in us. Wow. What, 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 a, what a majestic idea. What, what a wonderful thing. You know, we sing that old song, I'm a child of the king, I'm a child of the king. Well, we, we have all the benefits of the eternity. And so what he's doing here is just 
emphasizing that there never, ever, 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 ever was a time that he wasn't God and that he wasn't with God. And I think that's vital and important. And then verse 3, it, said, it says, All had come into existence through him, and apart from him, not even one had come into existence which came into existence and exists. Now, that takes us back a step into his eternity and deity because he is the creator of everything. He is the creator of everything. And everything that exists and has existed exists because he is the creator. And you, you see, that statement again shows his infinity and eternity because somebody had to create everything. And it says, it says that God said in Genesis chapter 1, and it was. Who was the God that said? Wasn't it Jesus Christ? It says, all things were made by him. And without him was not one thing made that was made. Everything in heaven, all the angels, everything were created by Christ Jesus. And everything that comes into existence exists because he brings it into life. Even those little babies that are murdered every day. He brings all those into existence. And that's why man will have to stand and answer to him. So, I want to take you on now to verse... We, we've got to the first three now. Verse 4. <clears throat> it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Let me give you a literal translation of that word verse. It says, In the sphere of him, always continually existed life. Also, the light always continued existing in him to men or to mankind. You could translate that. So, he was always light and he was always light. There was never a time, there was never a time that Jesus Christ was not life and light. Sometimes we preachers got a, a bad habit of preaching the fact that Jesus was only the light when he came down here to earth. But John is saying the opposite. He always was. There was never a time in his existence as God, which is eternal, infinite, uh, that he was not light and life. 
He always, always, always was light and life. Why is that important to us? Because he didn't become something. He gave us what he was in his person. Does that make sense? You see, he, he was what he was, and he gave us what he was. He was always life. Now, uh, there, there, are, there are at least three things that we can see in this uh, uh, verse. First of all, the fact that he was continually life, Jesus affirms himself. You remember, you remember that passage where Jesus is speaking to Martha at the death of Lazarus in John 11, verse 25? And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Well, that word am can be translated continued. I continue being the resurrection and the life. He's not saying all of a sudden, I became it. But he's saying, I continue being what I always was. I continue being always what I was. The resurrection and the life. And so, Jesus always, always, always was the source of life. Because life came out of him. And God is the only one who has life and can produce life. And I think that's important for us to understand. The second thing is that his uh, continually being light. He was always light. That is, he continually was light. By the way, the word light has the idea of uh, um, shining forth, shining forth. He was always shining forth. And I think it's important for us. Uh, Jesus says in, in John eight twelve, he says, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am, or I continue, really, best, the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. And then the two of them come together and shall have the light of life. You notice, you notice, you can't have life without light. The light makes it possible for us to have light. And Jesus being the light makes it possible for us to have life. Isn't that wonderful? He always was, and, and that's what he produces in us today by the grace of God. And it's a, a, a wonderful thing. And then the other thing that we see here is that the light expels darkness. Jesus said, He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. We'll see John picks up that theme as we get into verse 5. But he says, 
Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. Why? Because he's got the light. And when the light comes in, the darkness is extinguished. The darkness is extinguished. And he says, he says in, in John 8, 12, I, I continue the light of the world. I continue as the light of the world. And so, as the light of the world, he then produces light. He expels darkness. And third, his light has always continued shining forth to men. There is never a time when the light of Christ has not shined forth to men. Now, what, how do we understand that? I think Paul helps us to understand it if you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. He says, For the wrath of God, this is Romans 8, Romans 1, 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that what, be, what may be made known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, notice that, since the time this world was created, and we've seen that in the beginning, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, or actually that phrase, are clearly seen, can better be translated, translated uh, are clearly being made seen. God purposely makes them uh, available for us to see in his creation. Because the verb indicates that it's something, something that is done to us and for us. So God does that. And uh, that's important. And then it says, being understood, and again, same, same verb tense, being made to be understood or apprehended by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So the light of Jesus Christ is shining all the time in his creation. And what's, what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, men are walking in darkness. And they can't see. Have you ever walked in the dark? I got some nice bumps that way. You know? And I, I think we have to realize that the world is in darkness. We'll look at that in a moment. So, the world walks in darkness, and let's get into verse 5 here. It says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not comprehend it. And let, let me just say here, if, if you're here this morning, and 
you don't know Jesus Christ, you're in the darkness. And that darkness can only be expelled by God. He is the only one that can save anybody. Jesus is the light that expels the darkness. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, the light continues illuminating. It continues illuminating. I like the way A.T. Robertson, the Greek scholar, translates that. He says, the light just keeps on giving light. <laughs> just keeps on giving light. Just keeps on giving light. You know, that's like those light bulbs they try to sell you that never burn out. And they do. Uh, uh, but, but this one never burns out. He just keeps on giving light because that's who he is. He is light. He keeps on giving light. It says, in the sphere of darkness. By the way, the word darkness in the original has the idea of either unhappiness or ruin. Unhappiness or ruin. And so everybody who is without Christ, if you're here without Christ, you're in unhappiness and ruin. Eternal ruin, separated from God. And the only way that you can come to God is in the light. In the light. And that's vital and important. So he says, it says also the darkness did not apprehend it or better translation of that word apprehended means to obtain it. It didn't obtain it. The darkness can't obtain the light. And so what's he telling us here? That it's impossible for people who are in darkness by themselves to obtain the light. They can't get hold of the light. How do you get hold of the light? Through the Word and the Spirit. As we study God's Word, He enlightens us and we know and we believe the truth and come to Christ. You see, it's not something that we do. It's something that the light does for us. It dispels the darkness. And I think it's important for us to understand that uh, uh, it is something that God has to do. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter five, 4, verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, that is, there's darkness. He says, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds... By the way, that word minds in the Greek has the idea of perception or understanding. Their perception or understanding has been blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You notice that phrase? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. What does the gospel bring? What light does it bring to us? It brings to us the light of the glory of Christ, of who he is, of his majesty. He says, uh, unless the gospel of the glory of Christ uh, should shine on them. You see, whatever the devil wants, 
He doesn't want, if you're, not, if you're here without Christ, he doesn't want you to know Christ. He's going to keep you blind. He's going to do everything he can. But, Christ is stronger. And the Spirit has more power because he is God. But the devil wants to keep this world in blindness. Do you notice that in the world today? He's doing a good job, isn't he? He says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Jesus came, and the light that he always was, he shone out of the darkness, you see. And so we see and know and understand. And it says, He commanded light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. And that's where we see it. Well, I'm going to do one more thing before I quit. Because the next time we get together, I want to start in verse 6. We got through the first five verses. And so if your Bible says the deity of Christ in the first five verses, cross it out and put the eternity of Christ. Okay? Oh, by the way, I found a Bible this past uh, month that had the heading, The Eternity of Christ. Oh, hey, somebody got the message. Somebody got the message. Isn't that neat? Uh, and, and it's true. I just want to point out something. I'll probably point this out again when we get into that sixth verse. But if you read from verse 6 down through 36, you will find there's a strange movement in John's teaching here. If you look at verses 6 to 8, he introduces us to John the Baptist. So he says, here's this guy, his name is John the Baptist. And all of a sudden he switches. And in verses 9 and 10, he starts talking about Christ again. It's just like he's saying, I don't want you to forget Christ. You know, this John's okay, but I, I want you to remember Christ. And then in, in verses 13 through 15, he tells us about how people respond to Christ. How people respond to Christ. And then in verse 14, he deals with the incarnation of Christ and Christ's character. Which is very interesting. And then in verse 15, he switches back to John the Baptist. And in verse 15, he talks about John the Baptist. And then in verses 16 to 18, he speaks of all the blessings that we have in Christ. And, and then in verses 19 through 36, 
he deals with John the Baptist. But it's almost like he's, he's going and he's trying to get into John the Baptist, but he doesn't want us to forget what he said about Christ. Let's get back to Christ. That's the main thing. Let's get back to Christ. And uh, we'll see as he goes through, Lord willing, if I'm here again, uh, uh, that uh, uh, John's main desire is to even show that John the Baptist was only a herald of Christ. All he came to do was let us know about Christ. And you know, as I thought about that, I thought, John was created. Christ was eternal. John, there's a great distinction there. John was created, Christ was eternal. We have been recreated in Christ Jesus. So we are a creation in Christ Jesus who is eternal. And so as it was John's job to herald Jesus Christ, so it is our job to be heralds of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have been sent. Jesus says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The glory of Christ and who he is and what he accomplished for us. And so we're, we're excuse me, but we're all little John the Baptists here. We've got a job to do to herald Jesus Christ and tell people about him. And that's the great challenge for us today that we might see him in all his glory and then can hardly wait to tell people, oh, how exciting this is. You should get to know him. You should get to know him because of who he is. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and for being so gracious to reveal to us the eternity, the infinity, and the majesty of our Savior. Thank you that it was that infinity and eternity that made our salvation possible. And help us not to be hoarders, but to go out and tell the world of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May this be our desire, and may we love you more and worship you better as we understand not only your salvation, but your majesty and glory, Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in your name. Amen.